Welcome to the fourth official soccer podcast. My name is Boreal Demi, and I'm joined by my co-host Sulaiman Lassisi. Sulaiman, this is it's been over a month now that we've last recorded, and there is a reason for it. Uh, actually, probably two months actually, uh, and there's a reason for it. Uh, and it turns out that Sulaiman, uh, you know, had a baby. Congratulations, Sulaiman. How's that going? Uh, the good life, man. You know, being a father. It's very rewarding. It's the best feeling I have ever had. And my wife and I, you know, it's, it's a lot to do. You know, you have to do a lot just to make sure the baby is set. But it's it's great. And, of course, that's a big reason why we haven't been able to do the podcast. But trust me, my son and I, we've been watching a lot of Premier League games. And he's beginning to tell the jerseys and who to go for. So it's it's been fun and rewarding so far. That is that sounds awesome. Uh, I'm sure your son has been keeping you up at night also. And but hey, you know what? Uh, maybe in the future he can take over from from you and uh, on the podcast when you're not available. Hey man, that's the goal. You know, you want to pass these things on so hopefully I can pass the soccer gene, the infectious traits of the soccer gene onto him, and he can continue. Just just make sure he chooses Milan as his uh, favorite team. You know, I was talking to a mutual friend of ours the other day, and I was telling him we're watching a lot of soccer, but I turn off AC Milan and I turn off Arsenal because those are the <laughs> most sorrow-inducing clubs you can I support. Know. So it's it's really sad, and we'll talk about them, you know, as as we continue uh, on the podcast. But um, uh, yeah, what do you have for us for the spot kick today? Yeah, the spot kick section actually today it's a it kind of surprise, but it's morphed. I first heard this about three match days ago in the Premier League, saying there was a team who had one of the best defenses in the Premier League. And when you think of those kind of teams, you think of the top teams, right? And I actually reviewed the Premier League this uh, yesterday, and I, I'm surprised to ask you this question. There are only two teams in the Premier League tied for goals considered one of them is manchester city can you guess who the second team is when you say goals considered like the least amount of goals considered the least amount of goals considered and one of them is manchester city by of course which is at this point is expected can you tell who the other team is so very very good question actually the only club i can think of right now i think is maybe leicester city well, you're wrong, my friend. The answer to that Ooh. question is the newly promoted Sheffield United. Oh, Lundstrom. They, along with Manchester City, have only considered eight goals after wow. week 11 in the Premier League. If that doesn't tell you anything, it tells you they can find a way to stay up. Because in this Premier League, it doesn't really matter how much you score. For survival, what really matters is actually having good defense. And that's why... Sheffield United players are a hot cake in the fantasy Premier League now, if you haven't noticed. Yes, of course. Um, I, I mentioned Lustrum when you said uh, Sheffield United because I have him on my team and he's, uh, you know, he's, he's a defender that scores goals. So it works out very well for me. Let's let's move on right into the games last weekend. Uh, let's talk about the EPL. Um, there were two games that were, you know, the, you know, the top two teams were playing, you know, this past weekend, and it seemed like they struggled a little bit before they could win. Uh, both of them, Liverpool and Man City, won their games, 
But, uh, you know, after, you know, especially with Liverpool, it took them a while before they could actually break the deadlock and uh, win their games. Uh, What is your reaction concerning those two games and and just the rivalry and and just seeing like, you know, why why is it taking, you know, big teams to break down small teams? Yeah, so that is a good question. And I'm going to start with Manchester City playing Southampton. Southampton has just been trashed 9-0. Oh, I wish I could make a podcast on that. But just after Southampton had been trashed, they go and play Manchester City in the Carabao Cup and they got trashed. So now they're playing Manchester City in the city of Manchester Stadium, Etihad Stadium, and they score first. So the onus at that point was on Manchester City to come and just dismantle this team. But it took genius moments two genius moments from Kyle Walker for them to get all three points in that game. And what it is, is teams are just ready to play because they know City will score. So it's at the, I was actually surprised that even after City scored the second goal, if I remember correct, correctly, Pep Guardiola brought in, sorry, not Pep Guardiola, Rafa Sinhoto brought in Musa Genepo because he wanted to go back and score. So it just means at this point, teams are getting ready to say, you know what, we know you're going to score and beat us back in blue. We're going to score too. So... It's it's just a realization that this team's the, the secret to playing these teams is score more than they can. It's no longer play defense against them because they get they will score. City and Liverpool will score. There's something I've noticed about teams that play the style of Guardiola. Um, because if you think of Barcelona, for example, or if they, Manchester, they kind of play a similar t- you know style, um, but they, it seems like they miss something. The the mentality of of thinking that they can win the game. Sometimes they do, not every time. Um, so, for example, when Southampton scored first, I think they were mentally drained because they they suddenly realized, oh, wait, it's probably happening again. We're going to lose this game. Um, and it kind of seemed like they lost confidence. Uh, albeit, like, I'm not going to say, you know, we can't really say that too much because if you, saw, if, if you saw the game, they missed a lot of chances, so that's part of it. But... Um, it's just surprising to me when, you know, a, a team that that they should really comfortably be beaten, especially when they're playing at home, uh, you know, they struggle with this kind of teams. And, and it, you can see, again, if you match the skills player for player, it's not a match, you know. You know exactly. Aguero cannot be matched to the striker in Southampton. So um, it has to do, there's definitely something else. And the other factor is they're definitely thinking about Liverpool. They're think, definitely thinking about how they want to close the gap. And if they get scored on at home, they are freaking out. And, and, and maybe you get some, they get jitters. And, you know, that, that really takes over your mind. And, and you play, you don't play up to expect, expectation. So um, that, that is just something I've noticed about, you know, we've had this with Barcelona last season against Liverpool at Anfield. They couldn't respond to one of the, any of the goals. They could couldn't just even score one goal. It seemed like they froze and they didn't know what was going on. So that is just something that uh, something something I've noticed with teams that play the tiki taka style, the Barcelona style, um, and just over the years I've I've been watching uh, Barcelona. And I agree with that. You mentioned the part there where you said catching up, City trying to catch up with Liverpool. And at this point, we have. Six points between them. And this weekend, on Sunday, these two teams go up against each other. I I did a little research, you know, just saying what, what, what was the situation 
after week 11 last season. And at that point, City had 29 points, Liverpool had 27 points, and Chelsea also had 27 points. So Liverpool was third place. Today, or by the weekend when they play, Liverpool would have six points clear of Manchester City. And they have a game to play against each other. What do you think, going back to your comment about Liverpool being like the, the, the dominance of Liverpool psychologically affecting Manchester City, what do you think is the significance of this matchup? Oh, I mean, this this definitely, if, if Liverpool were to win this past, if, if they win this, this coming weekend, I can just basically say, just give them the trophy already. Because if you really think about it, um, they will be nine points ahead, and uh, with with the way City has been playing this season, losing to teams like Norwich, um, I don't see how they can come back from that. Um, unless something you know crazy happens, like maybe Mane, Van Dijk, uh, Allison, and, and a few star players on Liverpool just suddenly have you know they can't play for 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 months. Um, so. So mentally, I think um, uh, City is very fragile. Liverpool is coming into this game as, well, we have the upper hand. We really don't have to win this game. We just have to tie it, and we still keep our six-point lead. So um, I, I honestly think, I honestly think, uh, you know, like City is fragile in, in this situation, and the ramifications of Liverpool winning is basically. Um, Pep, just focus on the Champions League and just forget about the EPL. You actually read my mind in that sense. I was going to say, have they earned the right to be fragile? Are they hungover on two Premier League titles? One in a centenarial fashion. Are they hungover on those? And is it now time for them to just focus on the Champions League and say, you know what? Been there, done that. Now let's focus on an European title. Well, I would not. Well, okay. So, yes. I, I guess we could say that, but if you really, really think about it, given the, how much they spent, the caliber of players they have, I expect them to be winning every game, every you know, every weekend, um, compared to other players, uh, other teams. I mean, um, so I guess you could say that, but I don't think it's that much of a high because if you look at the Champions League performance, it's woeful. It's absolutely horrendous. They lose to teams like like Shakhtar Donetsk last season, for example. Um, and they're just not a team that seems to be doing well outside of 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 the of England. Um, I mean, yes, they they get to the quarterfinals and and maybe the semifinals, but like they, I personally think, you know, they are not. Um, how how will I put it? They, they they I don't I don't think they've earned the right to be hungover because they've not even gone far in a competition where they should be going far and in a competition where they expect us to be the winners every every you know every season uh they are doing that but like i think it's an ex like they should expect to win it uh because if you compare the number of players they have it's not a match for for the squad that other epl teams have maybe except for for liverpool now but um if they win if they were to win the, the epl this season then yes we could talk about a hangover but i don't think that's something you could talk about based on the past two seasons, two seasons. We'll see if they wake up from their slumber come Sunday. Who do you who are you going for? I'm so it's very tough because uh, it really just depends on Kevin De Bruyne and I say this 
and I'm not trying to make a joke here or anything, but I think Kevin De Bruyne is this team. Um, we've seen the past two games that Kevin De Bruyne has had. I mean, I think, first of all, personally, I think he's the best player in the EPL. I think he's a magician. Um, and if he has a bad game, I think City has a bad game. Um, and that doesn't mean that, like, you know, City can't win without De Bruyne. It's just, I think De Bruyne is the the brains of this team that can that can put City ahead of Liverpool. Now, that said, um, my prediction, uh, personally, I think I'll go for a draw. But if De Bruyne somehow is on top of his game this this weekend, then I think I give it towards, I, I, I lean towards Man City. Um, and yeah, I, I, and, and let's not forget, Liverpool has been woeful also because they've been winning last minute game, like last minute goals. But, you know, they've been winning by last minute goals. Um, against small teams too, so um, I, you know, not saying that they're you know they they're a bad team. I'm just saying that they can't just be having this last minute wins against top teams, and they're playing top team on Sunday. So this means that they need to be on their A game. And if they play the way they've been playing the past what five games, where in the first half they play basically nonsense, um, then you could suddenly just see. Massity up by by three goals in the first half, so they need to be careful about that. But apart from that, um, I think if City uh, can have De Bruyne just wake up and be on his A game, then I, I think City can definitely win this. But I am going for a draw just because I think uh, both teams are probably going to pick conservative, and uh, yeah, that's what I think that's what's going to happen. What, what what about you? What do you think will happen? You know what I think would happen, or what I want to see happen is these two teams have the best crossers in the Premier League. We have two of them in Alexander-Arnold and Robertson, and then Kevin De Bruyne. So I I know they'll play conservative. It's going to come down to catching each other on the break and catching each other on their wares with well-delivered crosses. I think the duo of Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson will probably get the edge over Manchester City because they're going to be crossing in a lot of balls and if they catch those City defenders slipping with the pace in the Liverpool attack, I think Liverpool will get the edge. Let's move on to a very uh, controversial man. Uh, he's not he's not controversial himself, but there's just been controversy around him. Uh, Christian Pulisic has been the talk of the media basically since he was benched mostly uh, to, from the beginning of the season um, by Lampard, um, but suddenly, as you know, since Lampard uh, basically started him in in the I think the last two games, he's he's come out well. You know, he's he's performed very well for for Chelsea. Um, what do you what do you think about his performances, and are you surprised? Christian Pulisic. When that when I hear the name, I'm like, what's all the buzz about? What's all the fuss about? I've had people say is American Hazard. I've had people say is the best American to ever play the game, the most accomplished American. I've had to stop myself and wonder, what is the big deal about this player? Who has a lot of potential, but I still haven't seen what will make me qualify him along the same ranks as the best players to ever play the game, even coming out of America. So his recent games have been 
He has had exceptional performances. You had the hat-trick, the assist before the hat-trick in the Champions League, and also the goal this past weekend. So he is living up to expectations in that regard. But one thing I want to say is I think Frank Lampard has been right so far in a slow introduction into the game. And if you are a person who pays attention to the game, I also think he still needs to work very much so on his conditioning because for him to keep the pace of delivery of the performances he's given, I don't think he's at that level in the Premier League yet. Yeah, I think he's a great player. I'm happy to see that he's doing well. Uh, hopefully more Americans watch the game. But let's move on to the topic that I've been uh, angry about for the past, uh, basically throughout the season. Um, it, it, it's a topic that, you know, if it, we obviously can't find a solution to it, and it's about diving. Uh, so basically, we've seen this season, especially with VAR, um, we've seen players like Mane or, or Hyoming Son uh, dive. And a lot of people, you hear people on Twitter and, uh, and the media say, oh, no, it's not dive. And some people say, yes, it's a dive. So we're obviously split about the situation. Now, my question to you, and, and may, maybe I'll let you go before I state my opinion, but my question to you is you've, you've seen the dives yourself. Um, we've seen, we know, you know, football or soccer is a contact spot, sport. And obviously, if I touch you and if, if that is called a foul every time when I touch you, then it will become suddenly a boring sport because we'll have to stop the game every five seconds. Now, that said, we've seen situations where maybe Mane is going, he's in the box, he's obviously trying to draw a foul because he's trying to get penalty because they need to win. Um, he gets stepped on, right? Now, that in a regular play is not enough for him to go down. But suddenly he goes down and suddenly an, a penalty is awarded. Now, my question to you is, I, yes, I know what the law says, right? If you are impeding the player from scoring, right? If you're impeding the player from scoring, then yes, and it's in the box. It is a penalty. But if you really look at the challenges that Manny has been getting, is that enough for him to go down to the ground? And is that enough for a penalty. Basically, they call this a soft penalty. What do you think? Well, I didn't see the Liverpool game this past weekend, so my thoughts would be, based on the game they played against Tottenham Hotspurs, which Serge Horia kicked him, and to me, that was a penalty. But, that you know, Mane, if Mane were an actor, he would have won the Oscar for diving. So we know that. So I wouldn't go further into past instances of him diving, but, you know... With referees, I think they should be firm. And this is not only to Manny. I've seen a lot of instances where a player dives and you don't give him a card for it. You just say it's not a penalty. So why is he on the floor? You should, as a referee, implement some form of deterrence so that those kind of things do not happen again. That's why the yellow card is there when you have a player diving. Yeah, it's really annoying. Uh, and, and again, I, I, just, I just think of it like this. Yes, I understand what he's trying to do. He's trying to draw the file on the box. I get that. But if Mane, I, I, we play the game, we play pickups. I, I, obviously, I'm not trying to compare pickups to the real game. But you get stepped on in pickup. That doesn't mean that that's a foul. It, things happen, people clash. Um, but my point is, I think IFAB, who who are the the body that makes the rule, they need to they need to change the rule in such a way that basically trying to eliminate this diving. And, and here's what I propose. 
as part of if IFAB is somehow listening to this podcast. Okay, if a player is going towards the goal, what do you, you mean if they listen? IFAB tunes in every week. Oh yeah, they've been, they've been in our mailing mailbox are, saying, are, "Why are you guys? Why aren't you guys making another episode?" <laughs> of course they are listening. Why, why? Why would I even say that? But my my thought is a lot of the the fouls that that has drawn penalties, especially against Mane, um, is he's his body is away from the goal. He's not even going towards the goal, but he's in the box. And he gets stepped on, and that, and that, you know, he throws himself on the floor. I think in cases like that, that definitely should not be awarded a penalty. But I think personally, if the player is facing the goal, maybe he's about to shoot, or he's about to pass the ball, or he's running towards the goal with the ball, and then he gets fouled, maybe he gets stepped on or something, then maybe that should be a penalty. Because I just think the way Mane or the way we're the law is changing, or the way the game is changing now, any contact in the box is going to be a penalty, and that's going to ruin the game for me. Um, and that's this is what I don't want to see in the game, and and this is what a lot of Americans that you know we live in America here, and we we yeah I'm sure you've come across this. We ask people, oh you know, do you watch soccer? And they say no, they don't watch soccer. And the reason why they don't watch soccer is because it's not because people fall. You know, with the light, with the lightest touch, and that's something they've noticed as an outsider. And I, I've begun to just notice that myself because of people like Mane, because of people like Son, and and this is something that I think is disgraceful to the sport, um, and and not sportman sportmanship like. Um, but that's just my opinion, and I, I, it just really pisses me off when I see things like that. And I think, to be honest, if somebody dives, it should be a red. That's another change I think they should make because if that happens a few times, people will stop that diving. That's that's just my opinion. So I I agree with you to an extent, but here comes the dilemma. So I've heard this a lot too when commentators are running commentary and you have a, a, an attacker going towards goal. Well, he's going towards goal, but all of a sudden he changes direction. He's not trying to dive. He just changes direction not longer towards goal, maybe towards the corner flag, but he's still in the box and the goalie rushing out trips him. The the, the player has no intention to go down. He's away from goal, like he's, he's not facing the goal at that point. And the commentator will say, that is so needless. Why did he trip the player? So given your, like, your angle, that is not intentional. That is not a dive. But that was a needless foul. So would that be called a penalty because it's a foul, or would it be not called a penalty because he's moving away from goal? Yeah, I get that there are some uh, needless fouls and that there's some people that like you know basically do stupid things. Um, there are clear, obvious penalties. And I, again, I remember this. I, th- I I don't know what team it, it was against, but Mane got stepped on away from the penalty, and it was just a step on Mane, and it, he, he obviously died. He he fell as if it was the, the worst tackle in the world. I think that shouldn't have not been a penalty. I, I think that's something that's killing the game, but this is something that cannot be solved easily, obviously. So Yeah, I, I agree 100%, but one thing I would add to that is the credit that I actually give referees at the end of the day is after a while, they know who is a specialist in diving. And after a while, they know not to call these things. And also, 
with the introduction of VAR, there will be more scrutiny when it comes to these things because they already know it's in the character of these players to want to sell a penalty every chance they get. All right, well, let's move on to the Bundesliga. Last weekend, uh, Bayern made a very big, bold step and fired their their coach, uh, Niko Kovac. Um, and the reason why I'm laughing is because I can't believe the scoreline. It was a 5-1 loss to Frankfurt, uh, which is unlike the Bundesliga. Usually, Bund- uh, Bayern is always on the, the, the good side of, of that scoreline. Um, but, uh, but Kovac is gone. Uh, do you think this was a harsh uh, firing, given that uh, Bayern has won the Bundesliga in the last past few years? And last last year, uh, Kovac won the, uh, the double with them. A harsh firing. I mean, on the surface, it would look like a harsh firing. You know, like they just won the double and they fired him. But if you've been following Bayern, and I have a few Bayern friends, it's been like their performance has been lukewarm. Like they haven't been really hot. Of course, they scored a touchdown against Tottenham at the Tottenham Stadium. But other than that, they have actually not been the sharpest. But what I think is interesting here is Frankfurt being Bayern was the reason that Kovac was was part of the reason that Kovac was hired. Of course, Kovac played for Bayern back in the day, but it was Frankfurt's coach when they won the German Cup. So, and then Frankfurt beating Bayern is the trigger for Kovac getting fired at Bayern. So I think that's interesting as just as a, a fan of the game. So now look at it. We have options. Like, who do you think is going to get that job? When after all is said and done, um, to be honest, I'm not following what's going on because um, I don't even I don't understand why they they have certain criteria right now of coaches that they want. They want the rumor is that they want the coach to speak to speak German, so that narrows down the the pool uh, because you have Allegri. Uh, Allegri doesn't speak German. Uh, Marino, I don't know if he speaks German, but he probably does actually. Um, but they probably don't want to hire him because of, you know, Marino. Uh, I think that leaves leaves Asin Wenger and probably some other coach, a few other coaches that they could hire. Um, I don't know why they will go for Asin Wenger because I think that I, I don't know if that he'll be a good fit. Um, so I, I have no idea who the top candidate will be right now. Um, and I don't know if it even matters because uh, if you look at their squad since they've lost Robin. Um, and Ribery, they've they've been a different team, and uh, I I think that's really part of the issue. Like like trying to replace these phenomenal great players um, uh, is probably part of the issue. And, and maybe they're not. Maybe they. I think they fired Kovac too early. I think they could have given him some time. I I understand losing five one to Frankfurt is, is bad, but if you really think about it, they they lost a player in the first half, so so that's that's part of the reason. But that doesn't mean they should lose five by five goals. But still, um I, I don't know who the right coach will be for this for this for this club, except it you know, they want I know they want a, a German speaking coach, which which definitely narrows down the, the pool of coaches. That actually is interesting. I haven't followed the news enough to be aware that they were looking for a German-speaking coach. But like you said, La Profesio, Asen Wenger's, I'm very sure he speaks German, even though I haven't like haven't looked into he that. Does but German, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm sure he speaks German. And Eric Ten Hag too. He used to actually work for Bayern Munich at some point, so yeah. I would assume he speaks German as well. So. I, 
I would stay away from from him just only because uh, yes, I understand he's he's he did well at uh, he's doing well at Ajax, for example, now, I, and he has experience coaching uh, the youth team. Is it the youth team or was an assistant coach? Um, he was an assistant coach. Um, but I, I would say like uh, you know you don't want a you want a big team coach, uh, so to say, because you want to be able to coach a team. Uh, you you want to be able to have a coach that can coach a team with the, a lot of pressure. And I don't know if Eric is the right person for that. Yeah, we will see. And talking about big team coaches, I just had to, Billy, I had to sneak this in here. Rory Delap, the throwing specialist of Stoke City, has now become the caretaker manager of coach caretaker manager of Stoke City. And I think that is interesting because as a player, all I really knew Rory Delap for, and all Arsenal fans really knew Rory Delap for, was the long throws that would be assists to go. So it's interesting to see yeah. what his tactic as a coach will be. Well, maybe they'll start scoring goals from thrones. That would be a very good uh, way to score. Because, I, yeah, Stoke City has, has fallen. I don't know what position they are in the championship right now, but I know they've been losing games because I follow them only because of... Uh, the Nigerian Atebo that plays, he was one of my favorite players, but they've been woeful and awful, especially this season. Well, let's move on to uh, the other parts of Bundesliga. Uh, we, as we can see here, Gladbach is top of the league. Leipzig had a very, very big win this past week- weekend. 7-1, was it? Or 7-0? Um, crazy to see that kind of scoreline in the Bundesliga. Uh, Dortmund has been uh, in and out. Uh, they last the whole of last month they were really losing just losing in time games but uh, it seems like they are winning um and speaking of winning they they won today against inter milan which we'll talk about in the future uh as we go on on this episode well let's move on to the to la liga uh personally right now at least my favorite league because i don't know what's going on syria but um barcelona has been weird uh they they lost this past weekend, um, and it's just, I don't know. I don't know who, who's to blame here. Messi is Messi. You know, he does he does his best, but he's been a little subpar, you know, just based, you know, comparing him to previous seasons. Um, people, a lot of people are blaming Valverde as the, as the culprit, uh, but if you really, I don't know if you can really blame him um, because... Uh, if you if you get, if you see the pool of players he has to choose, uh, it's not really great. Um, and I, I I don't know I don't know I really don't know what's going on. I think the problem here is the choice of players. I think they don't have a really good bench uh, in my opinion. Um, maybe they can pull from their La Masia um, um, academy, but um, you know look at look at today they 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 tied against uh, Slavia Prague today and they started. Uh, 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 Vidal, who I think is is a better midfielder, uh, it's better to have him on the midf- in the midfield. Um, but they still couldn't win. I, I, you know, it's worth mentioning that Suarez was out; he, he's injured. But it's just weird to see that Barcelona chokes at moments they need to win. Um, and this again goes back to what I was saying earlier about City, where teams that play this kind of style um, suddenly just start choking when when they really need them to win. Um, but I guess the whole the whole reason why I'm saying this is do you do you think that 
Valverde is the problem? Or do you think maybe the player is the problem? Do you, do you really know what the problem is at Barcelona? Well, Bori, it sucks that we're doing this remotely because I'm actually doing my happy dance right now. <laughs> Bakker is struggling. And yeah, I, there's nothing more I love to see than Bakker struggle. So is Valverde the problem? Uh, I don't really read Valverde as a coach, so he's part of the problem. But part of it also is the fact that Barcelona has been a very successful team. They've been a successful organization in recent years. They've, the La Liga is kind of like their birthright at this point. They've won it more of like more than all the other teams combined in the last 10 years. So eh, maybe it's just they're tired. And then they have a new guy on the team in Griezmann who is supposed to be the spark. But interestingly, he plays the same style as Messi. And a lot of people, it comes down to this and it comes down to this a lot. You expect a lot from Griezmann while the talisman, Messi, is still playing for Barcelona. So it's going to be a very tough struggle for them to get both players going. But all in all, you know, to be honest, this is still Barcelona's La Liga campaign to win. So, yeah. Yeah, I think they're still winning. It's just, they if you see the game, like, it just looks like they are, they are out of clues. And this is Barcelona. Usually, you know, previous seasons, you see them, like, oh, they're losing 3-1? Fine. Messi is just going to wake up and score three goals, and it'll be 4-3. And that spark is missing. So maybe, yeah, maybe it is the coach. Maybe he's he's having troubles instilling fire into the players, and maybe that's what's going on. But let's move on to Real Madrid. Um, Real Madrid tied this past weekend. Um, looks like Hazard is not living up to the expectation. Uh, we can't really blame him. He had a goal disallowed. Uh, obviously, it was offside. Um, but um, are you surprised that, that Madrid... Is, is is struggling. I mean, you. I remember the prediction episode uh, in the beginning of the season. You you have them winning the La Liga, and not to say. I mean, they're tied with Barcelona right now, so I'm not saying that they're not going to win. But I'm just saying, are you, are you surprised at the struggles that they are having currently? Well, like you said, they're still neck and neck with Barcelona at this point. So everything, all things being equal, they're still fine. But I am surprised that Hazard has not gone off to a very good start. I, I don't know. I think it has to do with confidence, trusting his, himself, because there have been occasions where he should shoot instead of pass. And you, we all know Azad likes to score. So I don't know if it's a confidence thing, the new guy on the team. I don't know what it is, but he should be doing better. I expect a lot better from Azad, and he has not delivered by the standards that we've come to know him for. Yes, and uh, the one team that we wanted to mention is Granada. Um, so Granada looks again promoted, newly promoted side this this past season, um, and it seems like I mean they're currently sitting on six. They beat Barcelona earlier this season. Um, the the only thing I have to say about the, their team is they look like a team that has been playing in La Liga for years. I mean, obviously they they they've been in La Liga. This is their first time in La Liga, but um, the way the team is composed they, their composure on the ball uh just seems like they're a very very top team and uh currently sitting sixth in the la liga um what, what do you think about this team they're, they're really playing well bori i hate to say that you were right because you predicted this and i was like okay they played villarreal they played 4-4 like what's the big deal but i actually I'm impressed by the run, of, the run of games that they've put together so far this season. So I'm impressed. They have a Nigerian Ramon Aziz, you know, 
yeah. that Nigerian love. So I am very happy for them and I'm looking, I'm watching, I'm actually paying attention to their results. I'm like, okay, Boris, Boris saw this, Boris called this. So yeah, they are doing very well. All Way right. more than I expected. Uh, all right, Salman, let's move on to the Syria A. And it looks like um, every time we talk about Syria, we always have to bring up the issue of racism. Um, this past weekend, though, I do want to call out the, I would say, a little light in the, at the end of the tunnel um, about this racism issue. Uh, and it happened in the Roma-Napoli game. Koulibaly was racially abused. Um, he basically, uh, you know, was telling the ref that he, you know, people are making chants towards him. Um, and obviously they stopped the game. So in Italy or in Syria, they have a two-step protocol. You know, they bring every all the players into the center of the, the pitch, and then they make an announcement in the PA system saying that if, you know, if this doesn't stop, they will suspend the game or they will abandon the game. So they did that. But during that process, something remarkable happened Edin Dzeko, who is or who was the captain at this past weekend, um, suddenly was sp- sprung the other fans that were, you know, the, the the good fans, I would say, to kind of cheer and kind of drown the the you know the the chanting that was happening at the Roma Napoli game, and it was just something good to see, and it's something I would love to see from other players, you know, stepping up for. And it's good to see because Jekyll doesn't play for Napoli, he plays for Roma. And Roma was Roma fans were the ones doing this chanting. And it was great to see that he was able to organize the other fans to kind of drown that noise. And I thought that was something very, that's something that reminds me of why we play this game. You know, people, you know, we, we, we love each other, basically. You know, you know, even though we're rivals, we still love each other. We still see each other as humans. And it was just good to see Edin Dzeko step up. This actually touches my heart because I remember how distraught you and I both felt when this same situation happened when Moisa Kian was abused racially and Leonardo Bonucci, who is his leader, his captain, had comments about Moisa Kian's reaction. Ridiculous. Exactly. This thing is not going to go away. It's been this way for a long time and it's going to take people coming out of their comfort zones to be in support of those who are affected for this to go away. The days of looking the other way are far behind us if we all want to enjoy this game without being reminded of the ugliness of the past. You are correct, my friend. But let's move on to a happy note. Um, Lukaku is on fire. I remember, well, you first predicted this, but you you predicted Lukaku scoring many goals and even winning the top goal scorer in the Serie A. Um, Are you surprised that Lukaku is scoring? Well, I actually have to say that I am surprised at this point. And the reason I say that is because I watched the first few games of Inter Milan this season and he wasn't really sharp. I felt like Lotario Martinez was the better player on that squad. But and then he had a slump where he didn't even score for a minute. And now he's back to scoring. So if this tells me anything, it shows resilience. It shows that he can actually you know, bounce back from this kind of situations because we've seen this happen, particularly recently at Manchester United. He started very well and then he went into a slump and he never got back from it. So I'm glad that he he's bouncing back from tiny little slumps here and there in a start to life in the city of Milan. All right, quickly. Well, Ju- Juve is winning. Um, just talking about Juve, uh, Matthias De Ligt 
been he scored this past weekend, but he's been horrible, giving away uh, a lot of penalties and just fouls and just needless mistakes in the back. Um, also, Napoli has been very, very bad. Um, remember, I had them to win the, uh, the, 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 you know, I had them to win Serie A, um, especially if they had a very tough striker come in. Uh, that didn't happen, but still, I didn't expect them to be this far down the table. Um, and then our beloved Milan, um, they obviously changed coach over the last international break. What? Uh, doesn't look like that's paying off um, because we have only won one game, lost two, and drawn one since the new appointment of Pioli. Um, so it's really sad, sad scenes here for me in Serie A, and that's why I've been using La Liga as my um, I, sort of like me cheating on on Syria basically because uh, it, you know with just the racism and the way Milan is playing, it's just not looking well for me in Syria. Ah, um, like like, like I said earlier, in our household right now, we're avoiding Milan games like a plague. Yes, so. you're, you're right to do that. You are right to do that, my friend. You you are. Um, so yes, uh, th- let's spare your baby that uh, this embarrassment. Um, so let's move on to League On. Nothing to say much here, but uh, very surprising. Uh, there was a matchup last weekend, uh, PSG, top of the table, versus Dion, last in the table as of before la- last weekend. And surprisingly, Dion won the game. Do, do you, Are you reading anything to that? or, or it, what, There's nothing to see here. Are we just going to ignore this? I mean... You put some Dijon sauce or Dijon mustard in something, <laughs> you know, it's it's bound it's bound to come out great. So really nothing to see here, like you said. I think, yeah, the loss to Dijon and hopefully they bounce back from it, just like Barcelona and Bayern Munich could bounce back from it. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess the big teams were defeated this past weekend. Um, and obviously as we are recording the first uh the first uh, round of plays for the. Champions League happened today on Tuesday, um, and just we just really just want to talk about quickly the Chelsea versus Ajax game. Um, I didn't really watch. I didn't watch the game because you know we are working and we you know we are responsible people and we work. We don't watch games at work, um, and I'm, I I don't think you watch had the the chance to watch it either. Um, but just talking about the Chelsea Ajax game, um, I, at one point I was just noticing the score. It was four one, and then suddenly I looked up and. It was 4-4 with two red cards given to Ajax. Um, speaking about Chelsea, how how phenomenal do you think they have been this season, especially being able to come back uh, from a 4-1 uh, um, defeat? Well, you asked me the wrong question. Coming back from 4-1 with two central defenders getting red cards, I don't think that's the most Herculean task in the world. My question, what I wanted to ask you, because this game has drama written over it, and I haven't seen the highlights or anything, is, Bori, how do two central defenders get red cards in the space of two minutes? Yeah, I, I don't know. I Yeah, you're right. I, I'm picturing what, and I saw the, the minutes. It, it was, yeah, it was between, it was within two minutes. Um, I think it's probably, and this is just my guess, I have not seen the game, it's probably maybe uh, there was probably, I think uh, Jorginho played a penalty like two minutes after. So I think it's probably a penalty and maybe the other centre-back just maybe got mad or something. Maybe oh, dissent, something. I'm sorry? 
dissent, but probably said something yeah, I shouldn't yeah. have said. Pro yeah, okay. probably said something, yeah, it probably, yeah, made a, a very bad remark and, and then got that red card. So maybe that's that's probably what happened. But you know what? It's, I like, like, like that we're doing this because we will find out and see if we are right or, or, or not. Yeah, interesting. So and, you, you uh, mentioned the Dortmund Inter game. I yeah. don't even know what the scoreline is. So can you enlighten me, please, from your point of view? Yeah. So I was, I, again, I was following the Inter. I actually was watching at one point, but then I had to go into a meeting. But basically, uh, I saw Inter was up to zero. So, oh, okay, Inter is back. They, you know, they're going to qualify for sure. They're not, you know, nothing to see here. They're, they're, they're good. And then I look to one. Okay, I was like, okay, maybe it, that's it. And then I look. After like full time three two, uh, Dortmund won, and this is a Dortmund that's been struggling in the Bundesliga. Um, and albeit like they've been doing well the past two past two uh, weekends, but I'm just I was just surprised that they came back, and and that's the reason why we're talking about these two games because we saw great comebacks. Um, so Dortmund was losing two zero, uh, first half, um, and um, suddenly they won three two. Um, after full time, so it, it's incredible to see the comebacks, and and I feel sorry for Inter, but not really. But um, uh, I, I, it's incredible to see that Dortmund, who has been struggling, is able to beat Inter, which is a team that has been phenomenal and doing very well in the Serie A. So just uh, just two two games that we thought that we'll talk about and, and just talk about reactions given the scoreline without seeing the games. Um, but uh, tomorrow we still have other rounds of uh, Champions League games, so we'll see what happens in them. Well, sorry, not sorry. Unless it is Barcelona or Manchester United, any day that Inter Milan loses is a good day. So Of course, <laughs> unless it's Barcelona. Wow, okay. All right, well, that's good to hear. I think that is all we have today. Thank you, our viewer, uh, listeners, for tuning into the podcast. Suleiman, can you tell them where to find us? Sure. We're still on all the major podcasting platforms. We're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, and we're on Apple Podcasts. And we are working actively to bring our website to live so you can see us there. And in the next few weeks, watch out for that. So with that being said, we thank you very much for listening and bearing with us through our short little hiatus. We're back now and we'll be back again next week. Is that right, Bori? Of course. I can't wait to be back and talk about how, about the City and Liverpool game. So that, you know, that will be a very good episode and we can, we're going to give our, our analysis on that game. Sounds good. Sure. Thanks for listening and bye-bye.